morning. It's good to be here this morning. It's always good to be somewhere where you're talking about God. But it makes it even better when you got people there to listen because they want to know more about God. I'll talk to you a little bit this morning about our faith, how we feel, and what a wonderful Heavenly Father that we serve. You know, when, when everything in life is going just great, it's easy for us to say, God is good. But what I want you to think about this morning is, what about them times when things are not going as great as they can? What do we put our faith in on? I was talking to Brother Mike this morning, I got a different iPad and I hadn't figured it out yet. Now it's not working the way I think it should work, but I didn't create it, so it's not up to me to say how that thing should create. But the thing of it is, life seems to be full of disappointments. I mean, I'm not saying this life is totally one big disappointment, but I'm sure we'll all agree that there, we have our fair share of disappointments in life. Our expectation for life seemed to be repeatedly dashed. I mean, what I'm talking about here is plans are made, but not always fulfilled. Ideas of how life will go are regularly challenged. Every movie that seemed like we watch as a child and the story, the fairy tale books that we read and everything, it always ends that everyone's life lives happily ever after. Yet how rarely that really happens. My story and lesson this morning comes from Genesis, basically around chapter 39 and 40. I'm talking about a story that we probably all learned as a child about Joseph. When we say Joseph, we remember the first thing that came to mind is the coat of many killers. He had a beautiful coat, he had to be happy. And you know there's more to that story. Joseph is an Egyptian, and here in 39 and 40, Joseph is an Egyptian, I mean, is in an Egyptian prison because he faithfully rejected the seduction of another man's wife. Doing the right thing, but it didn't turn out the way that we thought that it should. However, she lies and charges him with attempted rape, which is is the reason he's sitting in this dungeon with no hope of release. I know some of the commentaries are different things and I'll kind of question back and forth, but the best I can figure here is Joseph is now around 28 years old. It's been 11 years since Joseph has seen his father and enjoyed the blessings of family. Now I want us to think for a moment Think about all that Joseph has lost. Not only think of the loss of family and relationship, but think about the loss of his youth. All of Joseph's life plans are vanishing before his eyes. He has spent the majority of his 20 years in prison. Now imagine what things you did in, in life during your 20s? I'm not going to ask you to tell us about all of it, but just, just think about it. I mean, in my 20s, my early 20s, I got married. And 
two babies. Done a lot of other stuff and all. But here, Joseph sits in a prison with no hope for release. So just imagine what he's lost in life. We can look at the human form and say, well, he's got the right to be mad. He's got the right to be bitter, but does he? But now he faces or he sees what he thinks is a, a fresh encounter. We are told at the end of Genesis chapter 39 that Joseph had been put in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison with him because God is with him. God is with us no matter where we are. A large amount of time passes by as Joseph continues to serve in prison. But there are two men who work for Pharaoh who both committed an offense against Pharaoh and are, and are thrown into prison. Now, we're not told their names, but we do know their jobs. One was a cupbearer to the Pharaoh, and the other was the baker for Pharaoh. Now, both of these men held high privileges in the royal court and would have been greatly trusted by Pharaoh. In those days, many people tried to kill a king so that they could, or one of their family members, could reign in his place. Now, the baker would be trusted because he made the food for the king. The cupbearer would be trusted because he tested the food and the drinks uh, for the pharaoh. Because just in case someone was trying to poison the pharaoh. Now the pharaoh trusted somehow. The pharaoh's trust somehow and was broken by these two. And they now joined Joseph in the royal prison. Now one night, both the cupbearer and the baker had different dreams. But they do not know what the dreams mean. Now Genesis chapter 37 tells us that the dreams were not considered as we consider dreams today as mere nonsense, but were considered a message from God. So both men were upset and distraught because they both had a dream, but neither one of them knew the meaning of their dream. Now I find it amazing here that Joseph sees that these two men are upset, are upset and he begins to serve them. He asks them, why are they upset? Well, first of all, they're in prison. But it seemed like they were a little more upset. Joseph does not sit down and compare sob stories with them. Joseph does not try to, to trap their sorrow by telling them that he had a worse life than they did. But instead, it tells us that Joseph asked what their problem was troubling these two men. And they both said that they'd have a dream, but do not know the meaning. Now, Joseph tells them that the interpretations of dreams belong to God. Now, here Joseph in prison as a young man. But he still got his hope and he still got his faith in God. Again, I'm amazed by Joseph. Joseph could have said that he is not in the dream business anymore. You know, the last time that Joseph had a dream, it got him thrown into a pit and sold into slavery when he told his sons, I mean his brothers and all, that they would all bow down to him. But rather, Joseph asked to hear their dreams. He's humbling himself. 
is shown is love, as we studied in the first hour. Now, in verse 9, we read that the cupbearer telling Joseph his dream. In the cupbearer's dream, he saw a vine with three branches. From the branches, grapes blossomed and ripened. And in his hand was Pharaoh's cup. And he took the grapes, pressed the grapes into the cup, and gave the cup to Pharaoh. Joseph gives the interpretation of that. In three days, Pharaoh will restore the cupbearer to his position. But then we see that Joseph asked, for a favor in verse 14 and 15. Joseph asked that he be remembered and speak his name to Pharaoh because he had done nothing to deserve being in prison. He interpreted this dream for this, this cupbearer and all he asked for is mention my name to the king. Let him know that I have been wrongfully imprisoned. Then when the baker heard the interpretation of the dream, the baker is anxious to tell Joseph his dream, which is recorded in verse 16. So in his dream, he saw three cake baskets on his head with all sorts of baked goods in the basket. And he said that the birds were eaten out of the basket that were on his head. And Joseph gets the interpretation of that. In three days, Pharaoh will lift the baker's head off, off the ground by hanging him on a tree and the birds will eat his flesh. In verse 20, we see that that dream comes true. Three days later, the cupbearer is restored in the baker's home. And now listen to the words of verse 23. Probably the saddest verses of scripture in this chapter. It said, Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph but forgot him. Have we ever done something for someone and it seemed like they forgot all about us? Once it was done, they forgot all about us. When we needed something, it was like they forgot us. Now just think of the hopes Joseph had. He was finally seeing the light, seeing his release from prison. Just think about all the hopes that would have risen as the cupbearer of Joseph's hopes as the cupbearer returns to his position before the Pharaoh. Joseph was probably already getting all excited. He was probably thinking, he's going to tell the Pharaoh about me, how I served in prison, and how I was falsely accused. And yet, as reading on further down in, in the scripture, we see that a week goes by and nothing happens. Another week goes by, nothing happens. Week turns into months. Months turns into many months until it's been more than a year. The disappointment that must have struck Joseph as he remained in prison forgotten again. First, forgotten by his family, rejected by his master, forgotten by his peers. And just when it looks like deliverance was about to come, Again, Joseph continues to be forgotten. Yet another discouraging moment in our series of discouraging moments for over 11 years. Joseph continues to do what is right and live a life honoring God. Doing right until continues with him to it. It seems like it gets him nowhere. 
but yet he still has his faith in God. He served the cupbearer faithfully, showed care and concern for his life, yet he has forgotten and left to grow old in prison with no hope of release. Can you imagine the great burden? How we say it's like pouring salt on a wound. Here he's already been through all this at a young age. Finally sees the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. Only to find out it's a freight train. Only to find out that he's been rejected and forgotten again. So then we have to ask, is God good all the time? What I mean by this is we have a wonderful saying that is true and worthy of our confidence. God is good all the time. When prayer is answered the way we want it answered, we may rightly say God is good. When God does something good in our life, whenever it, whether it be healing the sick or helping the ones who are, are downtrodden or homeless or, or in need or feel like we in need of something, and it seems like our prayers answer, we get whatever we pray for. We rightly and happily say, God is good. But here's the more important question. Do we believe God is good when life disappoints? Is God still good when tragedy strikes? Is God still good when our prayers are not answered the way that we feel like they should be answered? Is God still good in the midst of suffering and pain? When we suffer, God is still good and worthy of our full faith, dependence, and obedience. We see the school shootings and all. We say, is God still good? Of course God's still good. It's when we're, we're going through miserable, disappointing circumstances that we must take the opportunity for our faith. When you and I are disappointed because of someone else, something someone else has done or what someone has said uh, has happened in our, some circumstances, we must tell ourselves that God's still good. Even when we find in disappointment and misery because of something someone else has done or said about us, God is still good. The reason we have to have that faith and the reason we have to believe this is because disappointment can, will lead to sin. What I want us to see is how disappointment is often a trigger for us to sin. Our disappointment, our depression is a tool for the devil to use to turn us away from God. You know, when we think about that, we have to think about Job. When Job was sickened with all these sores and everything, when he lost his children, when he lost all of his worldly possessions, pretty much, what was his friends and all of them telling him? Curse God and die. Give up on God. It's the same thing the devil's going to do each and every one of us. When we're disappointed. We pray and ask for something. We don't get it. The devil's going to pop in our head. He's going to say, God don't love you. I tried to tell you that. Don't worry about wasting your time studying God's word, praying to God. He's not listening to you. That's the, God, that's the devil using that disappointment in our lives. 
But that's when we have to, to just stand up and say, no, this is just a trial. Should make our faith stronger in God. Because as I said, disappointment can lead to all kinds of wrong emotions, all kinds of wrong responses. We can pray and ask for something, and if we don't get it when we think that we should get it, we get thinking, well, I asked God to give it to me, and didn't. I'll just go out and steal it and get it on my own. There you go. The devil's already got you going thinking the wrong way. We need to have faith. Well, God don't want me having it right now. There's a good reason. And go with God's decision. Because when life disappoints us, we become prone, prone to anger, to bitterness, to self-pity. We become prone to withdrawal, depression, resentment, and much more. We feel justified to exhibit these selfish responses. But disappointment is just another test of our faith. It's not just trials, not just suffering, not just abuse uh, that are trials are of our faith. But it's not only when someone sins against us that our faith is, is tested. Disappointment by life is another test of our faith. We cry out, well, that's unfair, and want to quit. We cry out that I'm trying to do my best to do what God wants me to, but all these people that live in the sin have a lot more than me. We think that God owes us a better life or a better outcome. Let's stop and ask the question, what does God owe Joseph? Anything at this time. Joseph's life is a profound disappointment if we're looking at it in human eyes. But that does not mean that he is owed something better from God. Your marriage may not be uh, what you had planned it to be. You might have thought that you were marrying Romeo and you found out you married a wrench. You might have thought that you were marrying the beauty, but you ended up with the beast. Your family is not what you thought it would be. Your life is not what you thought it, it should be. What does God owe us in our disappointing life? Unfortunately, the last thing we tend to think about is really the first thing that we need to think about. What is God doing in this situation? Is this not the great message from the life of Joseph? God is moving things around in Joseph's life in a disappointing, painful way. But the thing for Joseph to look for and to seek after is what is God doing in all of these things? We need to ask ourselves, I know I'm going through this for a reason. What's the reason I'm going through? What's the good that can come out of this? We pray and ask God to make me a stronger person. That's when you're going to get your trial and tribulation. Because once you get through that with the help of God, then you're going to feel stronger. Now, we shouldn't feel to the point that I'm strong enough I don't need God. We need to realize I can do anything with God. As I said, God's moving things around in Joseph's life. Might not be the way that he wants it done, but he's doing it. But the thing for Joseph to look for in the seek character, as I said, is what is God doing in all these things? What is going to be my role in the plans and the purpose of God? How is God going to be glorified and others serve 
through this. And I'm amazed that Joseph is serving the prisoners in prison. Those prisoners deserve to be there, but not him. Yet he is serving them anyway because he is going to live a life that honors God. Now since God is good all the time, what is God doing in my life so that I can glorify him and serve others? We must not allow disappointment in life to move us to, to sinful reactions, sinful decisions, and sinful feelings. Because disappointment qualifies us for service. Rather than lowering ourselves, degenerating ourselves into selfish thoughts of anger, bitterness, self-pity, withdrawal, depression, resentment, or whatever you want to say, that we need to consider how we can use our disappointment for God's service so that he is glorified. What will you do with your disappointment? You can serve God and serve others through that disappointment. Rather than falling into sin ourselves, we can serve the beauty that had turned into that beast. We can uh, serve our family, serve our loved ones, live a life that honors God through these disappointments. Show that God is good even when life does not match our expectations. Disappointment, as I said earlier, is a tool to break our pride that causes us to think that we know how our lives ought to go better than God does. We need disappointment in our lives so that we move our faith to the one who does not disappoint, and that being our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be, dis don't be disappointed in the life that God has given you to live. Are we greater than God to tell him how our life is supposed to go? Naaman thought, uh, made the same mistake when, with his disappointment in the way that he thought that he would be healed by the prophet of God. Wondering why should he have to go and dip in this nasty water and all. Are we going to tell God how life is supposed to be? closing. We get ready to sing our song of invitation because as it is, all things are ready for us. God's made everything ready for us to come to Him. But I just want to say that don't waste your life living in disappointment. Are we going to allow ourselves to live disappointed each and every day? Are you going to do something for God with your disappointment? Know that God is working and you can use this for his glory and for the glory of others. Let your heart be changed by your disappointment to look forward to an eternal home with God that is free from disappointments. So maybe, maybe you need to be baptized and become a child of God. Well, I think most of us have already been baptized, but we, got this, we have let disappointment discouragement, whatever else tools the devil use. We let that come into our lives and have separated us from God. We need, we need the prayers and the encouragement of the congregation. Whatever you need may be, as things are ready, we ask you to come forward at this time. All things are ready. Come to the